so much of the hurt and abuse caused to others comes from unhealthy living and unaddressed sins and trauma. You cannot tell me healthy people and aware people are the ones abusing people. It's just not true. It's not what's happening. It's people who are unaware or aware, but are not addressing the sin and the struggles and the things that they have gone through. We love knowing and keeping secrets. It makes us feel loved. It makes us feel important. It makes us feel valued. But that is the best kept secret. We are loved by the creator of the universe. This season, we are coming together with some of the most confident women that you will ever meet to discover the secret to moving beyond insecurity. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then Queen, we've got some work to do. Let's get to it. Hey y'all, it's me Liv and I hope that you are having a beautiful week and that you had the most refreshing weekend ever. I know I did. I got to see my family and laugh with my nieces and nephews who are in high school and college and run around the park with my nieces and nephews who were two and four and woo, y'all, it was nourishing to my soul. Today we are going to get into another important conversation and I just want to say that I am incredibly grateful that you are here To each and every one of you who have written a review, I want you to know that I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart because it truly does help this podcast. Yvette Wheeler recently wrote, thank you, Liv and Mechtis, for the discussion on October 10th. It speaks powerfully to the temptation of rushing into the work that the Holy Spirit has not assigned. You ended the discussion with a reminder that waiting is right. I grew up in a very busy Christian community where waiting was considered rebellion. And I've spent years learning how to confidently and boldly wait on the Lord. It isn't popular, but it is okay. Keep doing what you are doing. Thank you so very much for taking the time to write that review, Yvette. She is a leader in Las Vegas, and I know that you'll be blessed if you get connected to her and the new book that she's written. So please head over to Instagram, to Facebook, to just check out what she has to inspire and encourage you with in this season. If you have yet to write a review, I do want to ask that you head over to Apple Podcasts because, as you know, the guests have given their time and their expertise to help us grow so that we may know how we can respond to others in love through these challenging times we're working through. And I would love to pass your review on to each of them. So... As we prepare to get into this conversation, I do want to remind you that we are talking about different facets of spiritual warfare that we encounter in life. 
Spiritual warfare is the opposition we encounter from the enemy that attacks our intimacy and authority in the Lord. And it shows up in a variety of ways. Last week, we talked about how it shows up and challenges our ability to see the goodness of the Lord. And today we're going to talk about how it challenges our ability to continue connecting with the body of Christ, especially after we have been been hurt. You know, the Bible does talk about church abuse and manipulation, but what pains me is that some people fail to realize that there are portions of scripture which are prescriptive and others that are descriptive. Prescriptive portions of scripture tell us what we should do and instruct us about how to move forward. But descriptive passages help us to understand the context and what was going on at the time. And unfortunately, a lot of people confuse the two. As many of you know, I have really enjoyed studying First and Second Samuel over the past couple of years. And what I am amazed to see is that church abuse and hurt is right there in the text at the opening of chapter one in the book of First Samuel. However, it is not ever prescriptive. It is not ever an excuse for someone to manipulate or abuse others. In fact, it's descriptive and it helps us to understand the huge and insurmountable issues that we encounter once we begin to um, develop a culture that abuses others within the church. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, we see that the priests at the time, Eli's sons, were so rebellious, were so disrespectful, and were so abusive and manipulative that they'd actually caused others to hold the opportunity to worship the Lord in contempt. Hmm. I feel that we are seeing the same effects today. That younger generations have begun to hold the opportunity to honor the Lord, to worship the Lord, to praise the Lord in contempt because of what they've observed. And we would be remiss not to talk about this. I want to thank you for pressing into these challenging conversations with me because it is here that we experience healing so that we can walk more confidently in the Lord than ever before. As we prepare to get into this conversation, I'd like to read Romans chapter 12 verses 9 through 16 out of the New International Version with you. If you have your Bibles, I'd love to read alongside with you. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. 
<sighs> Love must be sincere. Let's ask the Lord to search our hearts and to help us grow in sincerity today as we prepare to get into this conversation. Priscelis Perot Dominguez is a woman dedicated to helping others live connected, consecrated, and co-creative lives. She is a coach, advocate, creator, writer, Bible teacher, entrepreneur, and social worker. Priscellis is the founder and CEO of Full Collective, a ministry and small business, and she is also the host of the Yes and Amen podcast. Priscellis is dedicated to gracefully teaching and constantly learning about theology, biblical justice, callings, and identity, while also passionate about the healing and the restoration of the church, especially in the area of spiritual abuse and church trauma. She is a Black Latina who is a wife and a mother living in New York City, where she has worked over 14 years in the social service field. You can often find her traveling, cooking, reading, and watering her plants. Please help me welcome Priscilla Perot Dominguez. All right, y'all. I am just so incredibly thankful for my friend Priscellis, who is joining us today. I just could not think of a better person to have this conversation with, and I'm so grateful for the time that she has given us. I have to tell you that I wish that the subjects were a little lighter, that we didn't actually have to talk about this, but the reality is that we have all been affected by church hurt, church trauma, church abuse um, in many ways and whether it is direct or indirect by our loved ones and we need to be knowledgeable about how to deal with this so my goodness friend sis I'm so grateful you're here how are you Priscellis? I'm so glad to be here I'm good I'm good you know the weather, the weather in New York is great it's not as it should be it feels like fall but it's good it is it's really nice I'm having a good week yeah, I just need to sleep, you know, but I, I have a one-year-old, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, I hear, I hear sleep is, you know, fleeting in those <laughs> years. So we'll be praying your strength. Oh my Amen. goodness. <laughs> All right. You know, the first question I wanted to ask you is if you could share with us what the difference is between church hurt and church abuse and how those differences inform how we heal and seek reconciliation with the body of Christ. Yeah, I love this question. I think that the answer to the first part is actually very much based on the person and their preference, their language, their lived experience. Because, you know, a lot of people would say the words church hurt, while others would use the word abuse, maybe even having the exact same experience. So I think sometimes it's just important to consider why someone would use a word to describe their experience and not judge it from there, but just more so just like be willing to listen, right? So I actually use more of the word wound to speak in general of abuse, hurt, pain, trauma, like I just kind of put all those words together 
to because it has left a wound right so I like to use the word wound just because of those differences also I was talking to someone recently and we think about communities of color the word abuse is often very taboo so you probably won't really even hear certain people of color who have experienced this to even use the word abuse because maybe they're like nah nah you know I can't like that's like that's an extreme like situation, like I can't name this, this, because in our communities, we just really don't either talk about it or we don't use the word. So it has so much to do with people, it has so much to do with circumstances, how they, how they viewed the experience and the trauma. And so that's, I just leave, I let people use the language that they would like, but I wouldn't say that I think church hurt and church abuse or spiritual abuse are actually different definitions. I often do use the word abuse because the definition itself means um, the improper use of something or the improper use of someone. And that is what often when we hear these stories, it was someone being used. It was someone being improperly loved and approached and served and not protected and and not covered. And so it's important to kind of just like think about those things. So when you're saying about how to how to discuss this to inform healing and seek reconciliation is I think one of the biggest things is actually naming it, right? Because a lot of people will uh, dif- won't differentiate offense to hurt. And so the abuser themselves, right? They'll be like, "Oh, well they were offended." And I was like, well, let's name things. Let's name things well, (laughs) right? Let's label them what they are in order to get to a place of reconciliation. So really just giving people the dignity to listen to their story and to believe what they want to call it and really just give them that respect, what regardless of what you decide to call it and how you want to label it. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense for sure. I know that, you know, we as people want to help others. We want to alleviate the pain. We want to possibly, you know, help to lessen the impact. But in so doing that, we often diminish their, you know, issues that they've been through and the struggles that they've had. And so what I hear you saying is, we do not want to diminish that. We want to give it the dignity and give them the dignity that they deserve. So that is helpful. So just how would you recommend somebody kind of seek reconciliation? What have you found to be effective and how has the Lord just kind of shown you how to steward this part of other people's stories with them? Well, so reconciliation has two sides, right? the one who caused pain and hurt and the one who was on the receiving end. And I think when that happens for either person is actually different. So I think when someone is the person who has caused the wound or has created um, a traumatic experience for someone, they too actually have to go on a healing journey because they did, did that probably out of own brokenness and hurt and pain and issues. If they were be too, be too quick to apologize, too quick to repent. And some people might not agree with me with this. They're like, no, they need to. Re- Absolutely. I'm not saying that they don't need to repent, but they don't need to apologize. But to cause someone pain and to just immediately say, sorry, it's like I'm in the street. I'm in New York City and someone bumps into me. And they say, sorry. Like that's that's the quickness that people want apologies. And we need to it needs to sit the fact that they have they need to realize what they have caused for someone else and then go into the in the process of repenting and apologizing and seeking reconciliation with the person if that is available or safe 
Now, on the other end of the person who has been wounded, this is very situational based because there are just some people who cannot be in the same room with someone who abused them because Mm -hmm. of lack of feeling safe. So it really is very, very, very circumstantial for the person who experienced the wound. But even for them too, I think they need to go through a healing journey before even having a conversation with that person or with those people or group of people. So on both ends, healing and healing is needed. And then afterwards for one end, repentance is needed. And for another one, it's the realization do I want to be in relationship with this person still? Do I want to reconcile in a way that I have a relationship afterwards or I don't have a relationship afterwards? And do I rec or do I reconcile? Do I, am I even ready mm-hmm. to have a reconciliation with this person? So mm-hmm. it's all very much like a process. And if we are not careful to try to do it too quick, I don't think real healing will happen. I don't think real reconciliation will happen. I think it's interesting how, you know, we sometimes we see these pastors or these public figures take a season of rest or stepping down to heal or to repent or to, you know, kind of just like not undo what they've done, but to like learn from what they've done. And just a few weeks pass and then you see them like show up again. (laughs) And it's just so much of lifelong wounds cause a person to, to, to harm someone else. So you can't heal lifelong wounds in a few days, in a few weeks. So it very much is a process. And I think we need to have the Holy Spirit help us be more patient. We absolutely need to be more patient in these, in these things. It's not, it's not quick fixes at all. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And, you know, there may be listeners that can really have the honor and the privilege to attend safe, healthy churches. And you might be saying, you know, "Mm, I, I don't understand all of this, but we know that people are being hurt. They are being abused. We've heard stories. We've we've met people that have some tragic stories. And a part of that tragedy is that it has taken place in the church. And so it is my hope that as you listen in, that you will kind of just hear what it is that Priscilla's has to say and how we can all change the vocabulary and the narrative around how we really talk about this subject because I've heard people talk about it quite callously and dismissively and it it hurts me as well because you know when we talk about the leaders that have fallen and stuff those are congregations that are suffering in the wake of that there are people there that are really you know dealing with the fallout of that and so I just ask that we really lean into this conversation and listen about the way that we speak about how others may have been hurt or how, um, you know, what even we think about that because we don't get to, we don't get to define that for other people. So I just, I, I thank you for that, Priscilis. I want to ask you, you know, what scriptures inform your work and how you encourage the body of Christ, especially those that have been wounded? Yeah. Yeah. And this is important because we should go to scripture for this, right? We can very much be in our feelings because this is such a feelings-based issue and injustice, but I actually, I have a long list of scripture. I'm just going to give you a few, (laughs) Um, but I actually actually have scriptures for three different groups of people. So for the abusers, for the Mm -hmm. abused and Mm -hmm. for the church. 
Because mm -hmm. it's not just two people in these circumstances. This is a whole body issue. So for abusers, I often say to consider James 4.17. It says, so it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. Matthew 4.17 says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of he heaven is at hand, which is basically his first sermon. The very first sermon, he is talking about repentance, the importance of it, the power of it. This is what Jesus came to say <laughs> at the very beginning of his message. Now, for those who have been hurt, those who have been abused, those who have been harmed, Psalm 34, 18, which so many of us know and go to when we're in pain that says the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. The nearness, like the word near um, has provided an intense amount of comfort to me and to so many people I know. And, you know, we think about the season of, of Advent and Emmanuel got with us, like literally with us, with us in the pain. Isaiah 41, 10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous hand. And then for the church. And when I say the church, I don't mean specific churches, organizations. I mean the body of Christ, because this is a whole body issue. It says in Luke 17, three, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So much of, I think we're really afraid to rebuke. In, in the in this day and age what well, we've we've made it we've we've gone the path to cancellation and we we need to go back we we just we gotta rewind <laughs> and we gotta reprove and we gotta rebuke instead of canceling because canceling takes away the dignity of the person and the hope and redemption that possibly they could have but rebuke is love um first corinthians 12 26 says if one member suffers all suffer together if one member is honored, all rejoice together. First Corinthians 12, 26 is like my scripture, like my life scripture in serving people because other people cannot be suffering and I not suffer with them in any case, in any circumstance, in any situation, especially if I have knowledge of it. Um, and so I would say those are scriptures for the church, but there are scriptures that speak to and minister to those who are doing the harming, who have been harmed and who can be the church in the midst of all that. Mm, my goodness, y'all, there is a difference between canceling someone and rebuking them. Canceling mm -hmm. strips them of their dignity, but rebuke is done out of love. That was powerful. Mm -hmm. And we have, we have misconstrued that and we've gotten away from our responsibilities. So that is powerful. Thank you. My goodness. Ah, so you know, let's say that someone recognized that they've been wounded, they've recognized that they need help and they come to you. What kinds of things do you recommend that those who have been hurt by the church do? And I know that a lot of this has to be, you know, communicated on an individual basis mm -hmm. because everybody's situation is different. But let's say someone's listening in and they begin to recognize, you know, there's a couple of areas that I've yet to address. What would you recommend they do? Our conversation will be back in just a moment, but for right now, I want to ask, are you the creative, the queen, or the conqueror? Could you be all three? I want to invite you to head over to liveduly.com and take the Competent Collaborations Quiz. 
together we are going to walk in our calling more confidently than ever before and engage in kingdom collaborations. This two-minute quiz will help you identify your strengths and even a few areas of growth to help you be everything that God designed you to be. It's at livedooly.com slash quiz, and you can find the link in the description below. Mm -hmm. Usually I say these five things in really no particular order in the way that you feel ready and safe. But first is take your time. Take your time in processing what has happened, in perhaps talking to people and finding the right people to trust, maybe in, in praying, maybe right now your prayers are tears. Maybe right now your prayers are angry, <laughs> you know, whatever it looks like, take your time. Another thing I would say is find safe community to try to heal by yourself is impossible. Again, with 1 Corinthians 12, 26, that whole scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about the body of Christ, how every single piece and part of the body matters in the body of Christ. And therefore we need one another and we need one another to heal. And so find safe community and community can be one person. If, if only one person that you find is safe, that's okay too. Another thing is run to Jesus. Don't run the opposite way. Don't run the opposite way. I know you could be tempted to because people who claim to love Jesus hurt you. I know, you know, maybe even reading scripture can be hard and, and you could pause that too, but run, run, don't walk, run to Jesus when you're ready. And whatever that looks like is forgive. There is a freedom found in forgiving. And in the process of all of that is to heal, is to find resources to heal, whether that's counseling, pastoral counseling, therapy, a retreat, who knows, whatever it looks like for you to heal, choose to heal with intentionality. Don't just be like, Lord, help, help me and help me feel better. Like choose the healing path by actually using the resources that the Lord has placed on this earth for us to heal. Remember y'all community can be one person. You don't, you don't have to have a whole tribe. You just need somebody that you feel safe with. And that's so helpful. Ah, so moving forward, you know, you've mentioned that there are three groups of people here. And I just want to ask that as the body, as the church, how can we ensure that we are healthy, that we are safe? What practical steps can we take just to ensure that we are consistently showing up well for yeah. other people? Yeah, I think the beauty of the church, specifically in America, because that's the context that I know right now, is that there are so many healthy churches. You know, we just don't really maybe, they're obviously not showing up in the news because only usually bad news comes up. And, you know, when people share about, like I've asked people in New York City, like, oh, can you recommend a healthy church? But people would be more quick to say something bad about maybe the church that they're in, right? So there are a lot of healthy churches. There are healthy Christians that are very committed to ensuring that they, that the, the body of Christ is healthy. And I think those places and other places have these, these structures in place, which is accountability, some sort of level structure or space of accountability. The book of, the book of Acts actually um, is a very good navigator. If you're trying to like, how do I make my church better? Or how do I make my church more focused on what the Lord intended? Go, go open that up. <laughs> it literally gives instruction. If you're looking for some instruction, it's there, right? And it talks about eldership. It talks about appointed positions in the church that help accountability, that help in, not, in people not having to have, you know, power, kind of like power trips. It, it helps 
a hierarchy exists in a healthy way, if a hierarchy is going to exist, it is just giving you approach to healthy situations. The, the two churches that we've been a part of that both we experienced hurt in did not have eldership. And they also didn't belong to denominations that they had accountability to. That could be an accountability belonging to some sort of denomination or church plant network, but some sort of accountability. Create abuse policies and procedures in your church or in your ministry or in your community. Creating police, oh, sorry, policy procedures for reporting and repenting and whatever that looks like. It's not just like, oh, it has never happened. So we don't need to have policies and procedures. It might happen. Actually, you might, it might have already happened and you don't know. So, you know, that might sound technical, but it's an important step to have because I'm sure you think you already have policies and procedures if a kid gets harmed, right? What about if someone as an adult gets harmed in your church? Like, let's have those in place too. Finally, reevaluate how we are being the church. Constantly reevaluate. If we are moving away from the message, to focus on the method. If having the Sunday production is much more important than how we're serving people throughout the week, we need to constantly be reevaluating how we are being the church and celebrity culture. Let's just dismantle it, end it, close the box, throw it away, like just end it. And celebrity and one man show culture because that is a huge perpetuator of unhealthy, not just churches, but Christianity. Right, because church hurt actually can happen outside of a outside of a Sunday service church community. Like it can just happen with a Christian. And then the last thing I would say is look at justice more broadly, or look at injustice more broadly. Because I actually think this is an, a justice issue, and I think people actually don't really look at it so closely because they don't consider a justice issue. But injustice is the dehumanization is an act of dehumanization towards a person. Is, is that, is abusing someone not that, right? Injustice. And so when we look, when we learn to look at justice more broadly, then we can be churches that are about justice, meaning that we are treating people with dignity and we're not having unhealthy communities and spaces, but healthy ones. Mm-hmm. Wow. My goodness, there was so much there. But y'all, if our Sunday performance is more important than how we are serving people throughout the week. Mm -hmm. We need to slow down. And my goodness, that was rich. I mean, I have not ever considered, you know, putting in policies and procedures, you know, if someone should get hurt or if someone needs to report. And I think that is very important, not because you're preparing for it, but because you (laughs) want to ensure that you have a safe environment. I think it's about having a preventative mindset Mm -hmm. versus waiting to have to intervene. Yeah. Right. As a social worker, like that is like what we learn in our goal. Like Mm -hmm. our agenda in serving people is to provide preventative services in order for there not to have to be an intervention in the future. Now, obviously life is not perfect. People are, we're still going to have to do intervention at some point with some people with things that we just couldn't prevent, but preventative approaches is so much more effective (laughs) than Mm -hmm. having to then later intervene. And these, and these are it, right. Including policies, whether or not something has ever happened, like still creating policies for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That's so good. So good. You know, I have a heart for leaders. Many of our listeners are leaders, are pastors. I know you've led at churches. I've led at churches. And I just want to ask, you know, if you have any advice for those who are leading churches, if you could, you know, and I know this is broad, we don't ever want to put words in someone's mouth, but even if there was just something you wanted to relay to them on behalf of those whom you have the opportunity opportunity and the honor to sit with, if you could just share that, because I know sometimes people don't feel comfortable, you know, sharing how they've been hurt or what, where they would like to see change simply because of the power dynamics that are introduced into the relationship, or maybe some insecurity, some desire to please others that might quiet them down. So are, is there any words of advice that you would have for the leaders and pastors who are listening in on behalf of those whom you've sat with yeah I would say to be aware and to be humble to be aware and to be humble and when I say humility I mean in really following Jesus's character of being humble he showed up on a very humble animal walking into Jerusalem on on Palm Sunday he showed up at the last supper washing his disciples dirty feet like dirty 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 right like they was walking around with flip-flops right in these streets dirty he showed it by choosing to listen to sinners he showed it by choosing to engage in dialogue with pharisees he showed it by choosing to die on the cross for our sins jesus was is so humble and then such an approach that we get to and should take and awareness awareness of yourself of your own trauma and your pain, of your own triggers and your hurts, of your own struggles and your sins. So much of the hurt and abuse caused to others comes from unhealthy living and unaddressed sins and trauma. You cannot tell me healthy people and aware people are the ones abusing people. It's just not true. It's not what's happening. It's people who are unaware or aware, but are not addressing the sin and the struggles and the things that they have gone through. And so we get to be, and, and I say that we get to, because I am, I am a leader and I have a ministry and I have been a leader in a church where I also have caused people hurt. And I have also repented and I've also asked for forgiveness by choosing humility, by choosing to be aware that, wow, even though I have been hurt, I have also caused hurt why out of my own pain and out of my own traumas so humility and awareness are huge yeah yeah that's good be aware of your own triggers your own trauma that is good i also want to remind y'all that there is no time limit right like when when pre speaks about that humility sometimes it takes that humility to go back to someone that you haven't spoken to in years and say hey and i'm a witness to that as she's mentioned because we've both been in leadership in our own local communities i have also been hurt and done some hurting and there have been years that have passed, you know, and I felt the Lord say, all right, remember that? Mm. It's time to go back and say something now. And I've done that and it's been, you know, graciously received and all of that, but that's important. That's important for the body because we want to ensure that we are healthy across the body. We don't ever want to leave anybody stunted in their growth. We don't ever want to leave anybody with... 
with some hesitation about the opportunity that they have to continue showing up and using their gifts. The last question I have for you on this subject is how do you balance? And I mean, you've done so well, you've really brought it out in this entire conversation, but I did want to ask, how do you balance the opportunity that you have to help people heal from past hurts as you draw attention to how beautiful the church is? I mean, you even shared earlier, you know, there are some great churches. There are some healthy churches. They're just not in the news because they're healthy. (laughs) So how are you balancing this work? Because I imagine that it can get quite heavy, that it can become quite sad. It can become, you know, sometimes negative. And so I just like to ask, how do you balance that? Yeah. So one of the things that I always like to be, make very clear is that my goal is to return to church. I think for many people, and you could say, I guess I'm in like the deconstruction world or church her world, whatever people want to label as these kind of arenas of ministry. Many people in that world don't have goals to return to church um, or to even to Christianity. I do. I am still Christian. I love Jesus. I love his church. She'd be wildin', but I love her. (laughs) And so I always very much communicate. This doesn't need to be your goal. This doesn't need to be what you end up doing or want to do for me to serve you. But know that this is my goal and I will recommend it. I will um, invite you to think through it and talk through it. So many of the resources that I create have that goal because I want people to know that although we say the church hurt you, I often say we could, we heal from the body by being in the body. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, that could be one person, but we will heal from the body by being in the body, not the same body. Maybe that hurts you, but we heal from the body by being in the body. And so Um, That is often what I communicate about the church. I also never rush people. I I see so many posts and so many people saying like, just go back to church. You'll feel better. You just, you need, just, you just need community. Absolutely. They need community, but it does not have to happen on a Sunday. It does not have to happen in a building. It does not have to happen in this confined space. It can happen in any way. Also, why can't we go to that person? Why are we telling them to where to come? Why don't we go to them? And so I always tell people, you don't need to rush, take your time, take your time finding a new place. You know, for us, we experienced, um, you know, wounds at a second place we went to. I feel more anything. I don't blame myself, but we rushed. We rushed from our first church experience. And then a few months later, we were at a new church. We didn't necessarily take time to fully heal and to fully examine what is the right place and what is a healthy church. Why? Because we were just desperate to be around community. Let, let be desperate, right? Like it's great that you're, you're wanting to be around community, but don't rush the process. And I also talk about the testimonies of how the church has showed up for me. Actually, this week is the anniversary of my dad passing away 22 years ago. And I think about little 11-year-old Priscelli's. Y'all, when I tell you, our church showed up. They were at my house. It's about to make me cry. They were at my house every single day for about three months, every day, all day, loving on my mom, serving my mom, making us meals, making sure I went to school, making sure my brothers went to school, making sure our laundry was done. The church was being the church. There are Christians that still know how to be the body. There are so many actually of them out there. There are just a few that have not known how to do that well. And so we get to remember, get to remember. Sometimes even our traumas can remove memories of good Christians that have loved us well and served us well. 
Don't let the enemy try to mess with your memory. Remember, remember that there are Christians that truly love God, truly love his church and truly are healthy. Don't let the enemy mess with your memory. Yes, yes, yes. We want to set up those Ebenezer stones. We want to remember how God has shown up for us through the love of people. Ah, thank you so much for that. Thank you for how much you've shared, how you've helped me to, you know, steward this space. It's a little new, but I've shared with you that I have been in conversation with people recently that have begun to talk with me about this. And I wanted to ensure that I was bringing on someone that truly does serve in this space so that I could learn more as well. And I appreciate you. You know, you have retreats, you have so many different services that you offer through your newsletter and the collective that you have and you lead. And I just want to ask if you could tell everybody kind of a little bit more about how they can get connected to you, what they can find at your retreats, all of that goodness. Yeah. So actually today I just put everything, I can find everything in one space on my website for kind of like the ministry part I have for those who have been wounded by the church, which I call healing from the body. So my uh, blog is called healing from the body. The retreat is called healing from the body. The course I had um, is called that. So that's what I, I call this part of the ministry um, to resource people who are trying, are really intentional by healing um, from their experiences. So on my website, PercelliSpeedy.com, um, you can find podcast episodes, um, guides, devotionals, all free. Um, yeah, all the things on how to kind of just like figure out what it looks like to heal, but also even resources for those who want to be the church and want to serve this community. Well, because like you said, people can come to you and you're like, wow, how do I respond to this in a way that would be um, so good for them and healthy for them and that would glorify God. So on my website, you could find that. Um, and yeah, I host workshops and retreats actually in a few weeks, I'm hosting a workshop on a, called being the body. So for people just to learn um, how to love people and listen well and be trauma informed and biblically based and justice centered when they talk to folks and listen to folks who have had these experiences. Um, Kristen and I are hosting a retreat next year uh, for people who've been wounded by the church. So just trying to find, I find, try to find different spaces um, and opportunities to serve people um, in this way I you know posts on Instagram are, are fun you know are nice and um, I think they're encouraging but healing can't happen through an, an encouraging moment because someone's just going to keep swiping and 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 so I, I want to create more in-depth less surface spaces um, in order for people to actually heal um, and know God's truth. Mm, that's beautiful. I'm going to link everything below as well as a really powerful episode that helped me, which you shared on your podcast, Yes and Amen, which I believe was titled The Four W's of Church Hurt. And so that was just a beautiful um, resource that I have found. And so I'm going to link that y'all so y'all can get connected to that. Oh my goodness. Can we lighten it up a little bit? Can I ask you a few secrets? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> All right. The first one we want to know this is in this past face in this fast pace i don't know what i just said in this fast-paced society especially living in new york how do you find ways to slow down how do you remember to just take time is there some affirmation on your wall is there some rhythm that you include in your day what what are you mm. up to this might sound like different or weird but i open my blinds of my window 
like um in new york city so just we just like kind of just live confined and most people if they open their window they see another building and thankfully like we have we live on a top floor we see a sky we see so much of the bronx it's so beautiful and it is so calming it reminds me that just like the stories and the narratives that exist out there like there's just there's something really powerful i literally just open my blinds i see the sky i see my city um and i like just receive this peace and it might for some people that might cause like a rushness no it just it slows me down yeah i've heard that before that is dope i love that uh what are you doing on a day off like where are you going where's the first place you're going what's the first thing you're doing on a day off oh on a day off without without my son yes okay <laughs> or with uh, some mama's like what <laughs> sorry girl sorry moms um i'd probably be going with spa um there's a spa around here called sojo spa that has like 10 pools outdoor mm. it's super nice i love to go to it um so probably that yeah i'll, I'll be there i'll be there nice nice i love it i love it and lastly what are you reading right now um so i just got uh the uh, uh what is it bully dang oh it's right here Sorry. saw that by michael kruger you posted it on you your gotta Instagram. see you know girl honey i was like what <laughs> <laughs> um bully pulpit yeah so you know it's interesting because i'm writing a book and so I'm, i've been reading books that are like similar to this and it's just awesome to hear it um you know i don't people can look into him and um his history but just for someone for, like him just writing that kind of book is great is. Um, and I think it's really powerful and he also he is specifically focusing on spiritual abuse um which I think is also very important because you know we sometimes we generalize but there are so many different forms of abuse and spiritual abuse actually is connected to most other abuses right because it's the misuse of God's word um to manipulate or have power over people so um so yeah I'm, I'm I just started today on the train and I was like oh this is not a train read <laughs> Yeah. So I'm not going to be reading on the train anymore. I'm going to be reading at home when I can like, yeah, cry and think. Seriously, seriously, you know, um, I was listening to, I believe, one of the, the podcast early episode earlier that you had, and I was listening around some people and you shared, you know, a kind of a story and it just, I just grabbed my heart. I was like, oh my goodness. You know, like, I can't believe this is happening, you know? Um, and so, yes, some of these conversations in these books are like, you gotta, you know, you gotta brace yeah. yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just put it down, are... just put, take a break. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, lastly, I know, I think I said the last one was the last question, but uh, what it's bringing a smile to your face these days? Uh, oh, my son, he is such a joy. He is hilarious. <laughs> He's getting like funnier, a little personality. He's like dancing now doing like a little Christian twerk. I call it a Christian twerk because it's super safe. And <laughs> you know, I do. my husband's like, wow, please don't say that out loud. But I just did. So here, here we go. Um, but yeah, he's he's truly um, a delight. I love him. Oh, that is so sweet. Oh, my goodness. Ah. I am just so grateful for your time today. Would you pray out for us? Yes, of course. Thank you. Thank you so much. Father, I thank you. Um, I thank you for Liv. I thank you for her ministry. I thank you that she cares deeply about your people, that she cares deeply about women and men and just the body of Christ uh, growing in you, knowing and understanding more of you. Holy Spirit, I would ask that you continue to um, convict us 
continue to give us clarity. Uh, if you are calling us to be advocates, that we would boldly be do that. If you're calling us to repent, that we would understand uh, the power and the gift that it is uh, to repent, Lord. If you're calling us uh, to forgive, that we you would be able to strengthen us to do that. If you are calling us um, to speak up or to believe or to listen, Lord, that we would all do that with your love in mind, with your presence in mind, with your humility your humble approach in mind, Lord. Help us be aware, God. Help us be a body that is aware that we uh, can see all the things that are happening in the world in front of us, but that we would be aware of the spiritual realm, that we would be aware that we don't know it all, that we would be aware of the things um, that we can choose to just grow into, Lord. And so I just thank you, God. I thank you that you're moving. I thank you that you're healing. I thank you that you are restoring your church, Lord. I thank you that you are uh, working through many to do that good work. I thank you for the small churches that are healthy that no one will ever know about those very obedient saints that are really serving people in a way that will create legacies uh, for generations of people who knew a good and healthy christian i thank you lord for those people god um, and i pray that you would humble and heal those who are causing the harm and are causing um, the wounds lord i thank you that you are working I thank you that you have not stopped, that none of this is making you smile, but it is breaking your heart. And because of that, through the Old Testament, we can see time and time again that what breaks your heart, you do something about. And you don't do something small. You do something big. You create room for freedom. And so we're believing for it. We're already experiencing it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen. And amen. <sighs> That just blessed my soul. And I pray that you can say the same after this conversation. If that's the case, would you be so kind as to head over to Apple Podcasts or Audible and leave a rating and review? It would truly support this podcast and let the guests know that you value their time. I know I do. Now, in between our time here on the podcast, I do want to let you know that I am at Candid Live on Instagram and at Live Duly on YouTube. It would be an honor to do life with you. I look forward to the next time. Love you.